It's been a while. Um, <laughs> certainly has. So yes, it has. Um, and in case in case you couldn't tell what's going on, um, the recording device that's currently being used is the uh, the new phone that I've got. I am now the proud owner of a Galaxy Note three which has plenty of storage on the inside of it. I have not moved my micro SD card into that yet. And I haven't been worried about it because it has lots of storage. And the software I'm using on it is Record Forge Forge Lite, which records audio. Um, And WAVE, I believe it's uninterrupted recording of WAVE files. So, uh, looks like Looks like we're doing pretty good so far. I'm with um, Stephen Tompkins at the moment. Hey guys. Um, Steve Kelly, Stephen Kelly. He it's been a while since he's been here, but he he's not here this week. He won't be here for a while because he moved to Independence, um, and he's still trying to get things squared away. And he's having kind of a similar issue to me, except. He's dealing with a little bit more bureaucracy from the sounds of it, because the only only viable option available in his area is, well, AT and T Uverse, which I don't know how good it is or how bad it is. But last I looked, he had to go to the local McDonald's and use their Wi-Fi just to <laughs> update people on what was going on on Facebook, and he was still waiting for an appointment from them. Yeah, I remember seeing one of his posts on Facebook was saying that if you need to contact me, just send me a text or whatever on my phone if you have my phone number, because I'm going to be off the internet for a while. <laughs> and and I, I, I feel him. I, I've been off for a few months. Um, life happens. I moved to Holden, which is kind of a... It's a strange place, I'm going to be honest, but... It, it, it it's it's because you know how there's the whole clash in Warrensburg between those who want things to remain more rurally or whatever you want to call it versus the people who are more cosmopolitan. Yeah, I can I can see that clash in almost everyday life. Well, imagine that in a smaller setting. <laughs> With other weird things thrown in, like a very, very high police presence for the size of town it is. Now... How big is Holden, exactly? According to the sign going in on 58, the population is barely over 2,500 people. 2,510. Bigger than my hometown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. It's just like, okay, awesome. And, And all that, but... Anyway, life happened. I moved there. A bunch of stuff happened. You know, car troubles. That was not fun. And making all sorts of adjustments when you meet a special somebody in your life. Um, And then when finally I go to get the internet. (laughs) And, and And folks, this is part of the reason why I have a new phone because I dropped my Galaxy S2 and the screen shattered. Like, 
well, it didn't shatter. It just cracked where I couldn't view anything anymore. You know how some screens just still function despite all the cracks in it? Oh, no, it, it was worse than that. And I'm like, I can't believe this. You probably, instead of just cracking the protective glass layer, which is probably, I think it was Corning Gorilla Glass 2, you probably actually cracked the LCD screen as well. Which, depending on the amount of damage, uh, some situations can happen where it shows up and it looks like ink comes out from the cracks and it messes up the images, or it can be more worse than that and just destroys the screen utterly. Um, th- nothing was showing up anymore. Yep. You, <laughs> you damaged it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still have it. I haven't, I haven't gotten rid of it. I went and got this like cheap straight-talk phone for a while, and... Which apparently went off of Verizon's towers. At least I think it did, according to research I did. Either it would have CDMA, so either Sprint or Verizon. Good news is Verizon has great coverage. The bad news is that's true unless you run into Sprint towers. <laughs> and then everything just goes, gets iffy. <laughs> so... So while I'm on the phone with um, CenturyLink, which is available in that area as the best broadband option, satellite just no. Um, even in a rural setting like Holden, no. It's if if you can get DSL, get DSL. Yeah, you might cl- you might get faster quote unquote downloads, but latency is really really bad with satellites because of the nature of the technology. So, And another thing you have to worry about with satellite internet is it depends entirely on the weather sometimes. It can be a nice sunny day out, but if it's in the middle of summer, you can still get interference from uh, ultraviolet light from the sun, amongst other things. And then if it's a cloudy day, you won't get any reception at all. <laughs> I mean, you're more lucky to have a bug land on there and maybe tweak the signal a little <laughs> But you won't get you won't get anything through clouds. <laughs> so 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 I call Century get try to get service you know set up and what winds up happening is call gets disconnected. So I call back get a different sales agent entirely because when you call to set up new service, it kicks you over to a third party sales agent for whatever reason. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And and for and that for some reason it they didn't put my email into the system properly. Yeah, yeah this is this is bureaucracy at its finest, folks. Um, it was oh man. So, so for an exchange for all of that, they offered some sort of freebie thing for thirty days. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I ju- I should have just said no because as we're going to discover in a little bit. Folks, always, always, always watch your bill because be like, saw some items on there. I'm like, what the hell is this crap? Oh, I better call them and say, yeah, um, I'm not using this. Can you please take this off? (laughs) So, um, if only that worked as a pickup line. Oh, <laughs> like what? What? Like what was your experience with DSL? I know you dealt with dial-up a lot. I, I dealt with dial-up. I never had DSL, but when my when I was at living in my parents' house up until high school, 
my parents had dial-up and it, it wasn't you didn't get your normal standard 56k with a 56k modem I got about half of that and then your download speeds were roughly two to three kilobytes a second so in comparison to the internet that I have now I can get on a good day about three megabytes a second on a download and I can download a full like say if I wanted to go download Mass Effect 3 or Mass Effect 2 go play it on Steam I could download that well you can't play Mass Effect 3 on Steam but I could download that within about an hour and a half two hours and have a full game downloaded and installed but on dial up <laughs> I remember I was trying to download uh, an upgraded version of Windows Media Player at the time because I liked Windows Media Player at the time and it kept failing and I never had it fail it just took four hours just to download a 20 megabyte package oh man four to five hours roughly Yeah. Browsing Facebook was about the most exciting thing I could do on dial-up. And now you can't really hardly do that. No. No, now, nowadays it's so heavy, it just... Boom. It, it, it bogs it down. So I, so I call these people and everything else. They ship... The, 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 they don't just ship a modem anymore. So it's a combination modem router device that they ship off to you and and everything else. So they ship it off to me and with a letter saying, okay, on this date, on this date, you're going to get this, we're going to hook you up and everything else. Don't hook it up till after 8 p.m. So I, I wait until after 8 p.m. I do all sorts of troubleshooting. The proper green light's not popping on. I call only to find out that a quote-unquote emergency occurred so they couldn't be there to turn everything on. Even though, you know, and I was told, hey, you don't have to be on the property. They just have to go to a specific thing and do their thing and, and activate your phone jacks. So, I called the next day to find out what's going on because it was still, this was Monday night that I find out that this wasn't happening. Tuesday night, I call. I'm, you know, get, oh, we're sorry. They're not going to get to you today. I almost, I was irritated. And I said, can you, can you get, like, the activation fee waived? Can you get some fees waived for me? So, they are like, sure. We'll do that. And, and, and all of that. So, Act, you know, installation fee and everything else was waived. Um, Wednesday night, um, still nothing. Right before I go to work, I'm getting livid by now because you know, oh, yeah, I there were, so. yeah, there was a lot of repair orders and everything else. It's understandable, but. You know, it was irritating considering that the little little building that's probably the little office area or the little whatever hub, whatever you want to call it for CenturyLink, small brick building, was a few blocks away. So, hmm. which I'm assuming that's where they have their, you know, central, their Holden's little central office for that, 
where they, where all the data goes through and everything else and sends it out to people who are online. So Thursday comes around and and this 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 is the moment that makes me want to ultimately, you know, other than, you know, go for and trying to, you know, you know, call and talk to me on her, you know, on her way back back home and and yes, she's allowed to talk on the phone, drive at the same time. She has Bluetooth. Hmm. Bluetooth headset. So, you know, discovering the wonders of that, and one day I may have one. That won't happen for a long time, but but I can see the use of, of a Bluetooth headset now. I was like, what, why do people have that stuff in them? Um, it makes makes you look like you're you're crazy talking to yourself. Only to check the person's ear and go, oh, you're you're talking on the. I find myself doing that when I walk through Walmart all the time. <laughs> I see somebody like I saw this older gentleman, and I honestly thought he was just beyond crazy. <laughs> and then I walk, as I walked past him, I was giving him a funny look, and then I looked in his ear, and he had just a Bluetooth headset. <laughs> I was like, oh, well now I feel bad. <laughs> all right, but. So the, the what happened was I you know I kept getting I got I went to customer service they kicked me over to technical support and I lost the call yippee thank you straight talk <laughs> on CDMA towers and then and then I called technical support because. and the guy actually was trying to help because he was like. He's like, whoa, you are four days out from being activated. This, There is no reason for this. Um, he's like, you know, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to find out what's going on. Because he explained to me that a lot of people will say, yeah, the final time to activate is 5 p.m., but that's not in every region. Because um, CenturyLink owns Quest owns and bought Quest and bought Embark. I remember so, Embark. Yeah. So the area that you and I are in is CenturyLink slash Embark. That's the region that we're in. Okay. Um, I would imagine on the west, more towards the west coast or something like that, would probably be Quest. Um, I was in the region that was 8 p.m. final time to turn stuff on, off, and all that good stuff. So what winds up happening is some system glitch in their phone system occurs. I get kicked back over to customer service for some unknown reason. The lady says uh, in notes, even though I was told the night before that, yeah, we're bumping your priority up because you are so late in getting activated. But... And their notes as of eight minutes ago, they're not going to get to it today. I was very upset. The representative said there's no reason for you to get upset, which is not a good thing to be saying to a customer who is <laughs> aggravated. Well, with as much as you had gone through it up until this point, there is every reason you should be upset, considering you're the customer and you have, should have had your internet activated four days prior to this point. And, and, and the person, the person's trying to say, and she kicked me over to a manager, and the manager didn't seem to really care. And I'm like, here's the deal. 
in the end, I said, here's the deal. I was not even told that there was an emergency. I was not emailed or anything because I have email on my phone so I can check email and see, hey, uh, something happened. We're going to be late. We're sorry. I didn't get any notifications or any phone calls saying we apologize for any inconvenience. And... Um, the guy said some things that were in very poor taste, which I won't get into. Um, he he goes like, "Look, son, cables like analog. This is digital, son. You don't just flip a switch." And I'm like, um, "BS." And I explained to him that you know he was trying to defend the people and everything else that that did all the service. I'm like, "Look, considering the fact that I kept seeing a CenturyLink truck go back and forth." past our building uh, he finally did admit that not communicating with the customer in the first place is not a good way of doing business Um, I will get to the bottom of this by Monday it all be resolved I unplugged everything I got aggravated Um, it, it 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 was just irritating so what wound up happening is I, I, in the morning, for some reason, the next morning, Friday morning, I, f- I finally, either Friday or Saturday morning, I can't remember which, I, f- I just said, screw it, what the hell, I'll plug everything back in. Magically, everything worked. <laughs> so, the manager didn't know his, you know, he didn't know very much what he was talking about and just didn't care that day. And I'm like, I'm guessing he probably lost his job too soon afterwards or got heavily reprimanded since most of those calls get recorded and and everything else unless they go past a certain time. But um, finally, service is set up and it actually, the service itself works very well. And then then I, you know, you know, girlfriend was able to talk to, you know, her mom who was out in North Carolina, South Carolina, which it, you know, she used Skype, but for video chatting, it works perfectly. I am highest tier is 10 megabits per second, but the good news is I don't have to share it with any neighbors. So, which... Which reminds me of the whole advantage disadvantages of cable and versus DSL and all that stuff. Cable's better if you're if you're nearly out in the sticks and you need reliable internet. Um, bad news is if everybody jumps on at once, you get clogged. Yep. The peak times and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And what time? What time do you no- no- normally notice that? Oh. A ton of other people on. Damn it. Usually around between, like if I'm sitting in my apartment before I go to work, sometimes between 2 and 4 p.m., Right. my internet will just bog down and almost die, and it shuts down. And uh, I basically can't even, I can't even get Google to load up sometimes. It's just wow. It's bad enough that I can't open up a small enough web page. It just says that I have no service. <laughs> Now, DSL is great because you don't have to share bandwidth. 
The bad news is if you live far away from that little central hub, your service kind of degrades the long, farther distance it has to travel to your, your, your end. Luckily, we're within a few blocks of that hub, so it's pretty reliable. And it's not too bad. Um, and so that, that's, that's part one of, you know, now that you're up to, up to, up to speed, and, and yeah, I, I, I called them and say, um, th- this first bill's kind of high. What can we do about this? And, oh, we'll knock a few of these things off. And, and yeah, there's this credit, that credit. They gave an additional goodwill credit to knock it down further. Um, also known as the shipping charge that mysteriously showed back up, <laughs> even though they initially took it off or something. I'm like, unless it was charged twice out of spite or something, I don't know. But it, it, it knocked it down to, it only costs about mm, a little over 12 bucks more than what you probably are paying now for service. But it's out in an area where you're going to pay a little bit more anyway. So not that big of a deal. Um, but you've had problems with internet too for a while. Oh uh, yeah, this this summer has been a very interesting road that I've traveled through, in in terms of internet anyway. Um, you guys are gonna have to bear with me. I have a cold or something right now, so I'm <laughs> fighting that. But anyway. Uh, the first problem that I had noticed, I had been having connection issues among with, along with uh, having just problems with my internet in general. And it turns out that the first problem was actually my wireless router. My wireless router was a Netgear at the time. Oh yeah. I would advise you to never get a Netgear because it's not it's not one of the. I've I've heard some people say it's one of the most reliable companies out there for for devices like that, and I disagree. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> anyway, the, the router itself, I couldn't even log into it to the administrative side to uh, change some settings and try and get some things to work. So it eventually just quit, and it would not cooperate with the modem. And it was actually killing modems because it was, I think it might have been infected by something like a heart bleed or something like that. I was even getting pop-ups that were going through Google Chrome and other kinds of stuff, just random things of websites that I've never heard of. Ow. It, w- it wouldn't even get caught by my ad block. So it, it was just piping all kinds of stuff through. So I don't know what exactly happened. I just know it had got uh, something infected into it, so it died. I took it outside and hit it with a hammer and then threw it away. Made me feel better. <laughs> and then I ended up getting a new wireless router, and that fixed that problem. And I haven't really had much issues since. That's good. My service has been upgraded because um, I was on a two-year contract at the time that Charter was continuing to do contracts. I had a 30 megabits per second contract for $35 a month. And then they bumped up my service for about 15 bucks more for the same price. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, I might as well see what what I could do to upgrade or... uh, decrease my uh, cost so instead all I ended up doing is paying an extra dollar fifty more for 60 megabits per second and here soon I'm going to be getting 100 for free a free upgrade so I've, I've got some pretty fast internet oh 
and, and, and they did this. They, they told me that they were doing this on the sly, or I found out about it right before I was going to move. And I'm like, thank you, Charter. <laughs> yeah, they tend to do that. It's called their Charter, uh, what is it? Spectrum? Spectrum, yes. Charter Spectrum. It features 100 megabits per second internet along with everything else that Charter offers, which uh, I use some of their other services, like for my website that I have, it's hosted by them on their web space is what it's called. And you, you get a free Charter email among all kinds of other things. Uh, Charter is really a good company. It's just sometimes I've had some reliability problems along with uh, with all this internet internet problems between my modem and my uh, router. I had a couple of technicians that really didn't know what they were doing. Oh. The first one is just completely lost. She said she didn't even know anything about computers. So I don't even know why she was a technician for Charter. Because I could have done everything that she had done easily. Like, she came in, she unplugged my modem, she tested it with one of their devices. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it does, like, some sort of ping tests and make sure that it can communicate with the modem. And I could have done all that stuff easily. But she she came in and she replaced the modem, like, two or three times, and then she kept doing stuff. And she really didn't know what she was doing. And I complained to Charter about it. I was like, look, if you got an employee like this, is this I can do this stuff. Like, literally. It, it's not that hard. It's just some simple, low-level networking. You just, you unplug a modem, you plug it back in. You unplug the router, you plug it back in. Sometimes you have to do it simultaneously for them both to communicate. It refreshes, gets you, gets you a new IP address, so on and so forth. But in the long run, it's not that big of a deal because I still have internet access. I can still do my homework, still communicate with Thomas here so we can uh, collaborate for this uh, podcast. And and by the way, um, you know, um, thanks to and part of discovering a nice recording app for the phone, and I can change the setting quality settings to where it needs to be. This, it'll make it easier, and we might be doing Google Hangouts soon too to kind of give the live experience while and everything else, and that's that's a possibility. Um, and we we've also kind of gone through another technological change. I've I've been paring machines down and everything else. Um, honestly, my distro journey has come to an end for for the foreseeable future. Um, I, I decided to run this system to see how it works and how well it does. And I'm like, well, with life changes going on, I can't keep jumping back and forth. I need to be on something that's going to be consistently stable for, for the foreseeable future. And it's Ubuntu 14.04 that I'm running right now. Um, it's, a lot of it works really well, even on this gateway notebook that I have now, thanks to thanks to you. Yep. Um, Tecra M9. I just snapped the screen and pulled the hard drive out, pulled the stick of memory out, put it in this machine. It now has over a gig of RAM. That stick of RAM. Um, the that stick of RAM 
now has is now basically being used for graphics memory, most of it, or chunk of it, so I still have 1.3 gigs for system memory. So it works. The hard drive is kind of the slowest, and I'm not able to record off of this because of how slow the drive is, but it happens. Um, well, considering the, the technology, this, this laptop that you have was built for Windows Vista, it doesn't even have SATA, and it has it has IDE. So, it's you're limited to like 133 megabytes a second transfer rates. Oh man, but for for most things it'll work out fine. It just um and and all that. It's but. Um, you told me about how smooth it was, and I'm like, well, I'll give it a try, and I installed it, and and you're the reason I was able to get the ISOs at the time, because I didn't have consistent access, and all, you know, and this was while I still could use my old phone as a mobile hotspot, until it fell face first to the floor, and, <laughs> and I'm like, and, and a possible extra source of minor amount of income kind of went out the window for quite a while and it probably has on a more permanent basis because it's been too long since I last wrote uh, for for that site in question and they and they changed to another website entirely so I don't know what what's going to happen with that but I think I'll focus more on the next report for a while too so um like you, what were your first impressions and and hiccups and all that good stuff? Well, um, if you guys don't know, I do have a custom-built computer that I have at my house that I use for everything. For most of my stuff, well, primarily it was used and built for gaming. But um, and as of as of late, the monitor has fried because I ended up getting some water spilled on it. So I've been stuck with the uh, laptop that I have it's the only device I have that I use frequently but it's running 14.04 right now so I've had a lot of time to get acquainted with it real acquainted with it the problem the only problem I really had with it on uh, my desktop which is a dual boot machine between Windows and Linux um, was my Unity launcher after I, I did an in place upgrade from 13.10 to 14.04 um I lost the launcher, <laughs> like the launcher didn't er, show up, and then I fixed that. That was a problem that I've had in the past, and I think that's primarily due to upgrades and stuff. Because I had, I had when I had first installed, I think I installed twelve point oh four, and I've been upgrading since. But uh, the when I would click on the dash icon, the Unity dash icon, where you can go and search web searches or search your computer. For applications, uh, files, uh, pictures, music, all kinds of stuff like that, I, nothing would show up. It would just I could click on it, and it would just come up with uh, three uh, close, minimize, maximize icons for the dash. <laughs> so I had to do a lot of research to figure out what was going on with that. I finally get it, got it fixed. I don't remember exactly how. I think it mostly involved recent re reinstalling. Unity Dash itself, just that package alone, and that fixed it. And then I haven't had any problems since. It's it's very smooth. I like that the design has changed slightly over the years since Unity first 
came out. And there, if you if you probably know, Unity originally had a 2D interface and a 3D interface. So that way, if you had an older computer that couldn't run 3D graphics, you could fall back to Unity 2D, and you wouldn't have that problem. You wouldn't run anything with confidence. Oh, no. Now, unfortunately, that's all been integrated, and it doesn't. You only have 3D. But in this laptop that I have that has integrated graphics, it's powerful enough that it can run Minecraft, so it runs uh, Ubuntu smoothly. It's flawless. I love it. And another interesting feature that uh, 14.04 has, it's one of the, originally it was supposed to be the first device convergent uh, distribution, but instead Canonical decided to drop that idea because this is going to be their long-term support version. So they opted for stability over newer features. However, they did release their own web browser with it, and I've tinkered around with it a little bit. I'm, I, I'm, I like it and I don't like it. <laughs> but kind of reminds me of uh, old copy of SUSE when it first uh, when I first got a hold of it. Every new version would progress somewhere, and then something that worked really well kind of went and I'm like ah. Um, I it's not bad, like it works pretty well. It, my one of my main gripes is. They're, they're starting to do the whole convergence thing. They're kind of moving towards it. But, like, in the browser, in Firefox, they have their special customizations, which is cool. Except what's not cool is, say, I go to Facebook. Would you like to install Facebook Messenger for extra features and quicker access? Well, what really happens is it just pops up an XUL, either an XUL runner Instant, it's more of like an XL runner instance of a web page in a, in a single window. To me, when it says Facebook Messenger, it should be more along the lines of something that, you know, just simply pops up people who are on Facebook to message them. And no, it just throws you to the full-blown Facebook website, which makes zero sense to me um, and, and actually I don't know if this conversion style stuff is actually Firefox base or or if it's actually um, WebKit based it might actually be WebKit-based, to be honest, because when I did the whole shortcut thing for Google Docs, this browser you're using is unsupported, which... It very well could be a WebKit base, because um, since WebKit released a while back, Apple picked it up for their browser. For those of you that do know, you do use Safari, um, it's, it's based on WebKit. To render all of it, all of the websites that you're going to be browsing, just like Google Google Chrome, and WebKit's very very fast, very fast, very fast. I like WebKit, and I like using Google Chrome over most browsers. So it's it's one of the faster alternatives. However, Firefox has done a lot of performance fixes and uh, under the hood things with their browser lately. So it's 
it's kind of a half and half kind of thing. It do also, it almost all entirely depends on the device you'll be using anymore. Instead of the browser. It's like, like, like the, the, the WebKit, you know, they, they pull, Apple pulled some code from Conqueror of all places. <laughs> Here's WebKit, and then Google uses WebKit for a while. Now, now it's called the blank rendering engine because they forked that, and it's just like, huh. It, it, it's just kind of, it, it's a lot of that stuff has just changed so much. But, like, I'll stick with Ubuntu for the foreseeable future because I need to focus on getting stuff done now because I don't have I I don't have the luxury of time at the moment to be able to mess with other distributions I will write something on Bridge in the near future because I owe them that much and say hey it would you know the summation of that will be it, it's great for people who are beginners to Arch, but you, you, it's not going to completely hold your hand for you in some instances. You will have to do some workarounds on occasion. Well, in, in my experience of messing with Arch, and I also tested out Bridge for a little bit too because I was curious, Arch itself, it's a very, very, very powerful distribution. For those of you that aren't a fan of building yours from scratch, like those who like uh, Gen 2, I have I have had my trials of Gen 2, but that's that's something for another day, <laughs> another few days anyway. But if if you if you want to try, give Arch a try, it's a much easier. It's very uh, well, maybe not user friendly, but it's it's easier to use than Gen 2 is, or much more complex Linux distributions. And if you jump into Arch, it gives you a better understanding of how Linux works in general, the whole directory structure, uh, how it handles everything, because you have to do a lot more hands-on work. It's good for like somebody that likes tinkering, like me, or someone who has an analytical mind. It's good for you. It's something you'll definitely enjoy. And then if you don't want to have to spend the time of building, going ahead and building Arch and installing all the stuff that you want and installing your desktop uh, your uh, desktop layout of choice you can go and download something like Bridge Linux which has XFCE, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite interfaces and among many other applications which are common out there for a lot of Linux distributions. It's very fast, it's very fluent uh, in my opinion, it's a, it's a very good distribution. So it, like I said, it's just um, I I had to do a workaround for for Grub because there was an issue with that, and they were working on it. I went to their forums; they were actually very helpful, or tried to be very helpful. They actually did. It took them a while, but they did respond. It's it's a You know, it's it's more it's smaller, community oriented, and all that sort of thing. So, so you you may not and and clearly the people who are on the forums lead busy lives. So, yeah, it's they're not always able to get to you, but it they've they've tried doing their best, and as of late, I think they've gotten that 
issue fixed where where it actually does the you know master boot record and everything correctly and to where when grub points to it it points to it properly um so um but but we, we were talking about you know chrome which it, it's been getting more and more Chrome, kind of Chrome centric as of late, and Android's been changing quite a bit, and and all that. And I think we both saw a possible meeting of the minds at some point, because now they're working on getting Android apps working on Chrome OS. That's something that I honestly, in one of our episodes about I don't know, probably six months ago, we were making our. Uh, uh, proposals as to what may come in the future and one of mine was I was honestly thinking that there might be some convergence between Android and Google Chrome and this is one of the things that I was hoping that would happen honestly because Chrome OS is great I've, I messed with uh, a version of Chromium OS which is the open source version Right. there's not much difference between the two other than Chromium is Newer and it's beta stage instead of stable, and you won't necessarily have flash in that either, unless you no you you you'd have to do something custom. The only thing you have would be the Pepper API, and you don't always have everything. But in my experience with it, it I've I've messed with some of the display Chromebooks that we have at our Walmart, but it's a very very fast, very good operating system. But you are limited to web pages only. You don't have native software installed, other than the Linux base. And if if Google does make Android apps work on Google Chrome OS, it's going to be great because then you have a lot more options to to open up for apps. Developers can make something for HTML5, or they can take the Android route and do something a little more uh, uh, device uh, well, not device centric, but. Um, the code base would be more internal software rather than uh, a web page. Well, the, the, the thing that tipped me off to the possible convergence or how it might happen is when you, you pointed out in Windows 8 that this, with the touchscreen style interface that they called Metro for a while until a patent loss or until a, um, until a lawsuit over uh, trademarks kind of cause them to have to go with something else. Microsoft had to change a lot of things because of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But when when all of a sudden you get a Chrome OS-like experience, I'm like, wait, so does that mean you might see this on, say, an Android tablet where you go to a certain mode in Chrome? And that's when I started thinking about going, you know, is there something where you can switch to to something like that or what have you or or what as a possibility because yeah, you have like the whole called so-called packaged apps that can run offline but you know, that's, that's not quite the same as having you know full-blown app all the time it's close it uses HTML5. It's just in a tiny little package type thing that that you know bundles with Chrome. 
so you can get a few games or some other things here and there. But well, and from a from a developer standpoint or a computer science standpoint, if you look at something that's rendered in a browser, such as a Java application or HTML5 web app or a web page, all of that stuff is mostly interpreted when it comes to instead of something a software that's compiled right. or software that's interpreted. The differences between those is that a software that can be interpreted in terms of like Java or web pages, it's device uh, agnostic. You don't have to worry about it not working on one device or not working on another device. It'll work on almost everything. That's what's that's what is good about Java, and that's why Android is so popular. It's built up on Java among Lin, uh, along with Linux and some other things. But if you have the software that's compiled in oh, terms yeah. of like Linux, it's you have much more uh, better performance, a lot better performance. And the unfortunate part is if uh, you you want that performance, you sacrifice the ease of programming for. Oh. Uh, like a web page or something else, it, it takes a lot less to make something work that way. Instead of you have to get so uh, you have to get libraries among other things and work a lot harder to get something to work among other devices. Because like the whole write once run everywhere thing is 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 great, but it's, it doesn't always it's not always optimized for your hardware. So and everything else so. And even with portability, some nuances of some architecture may have to cause you to alter some of your coding no mm -hmm. matter what. Uh, so, so a piece of coding that may work on an, like an Intel or AMD processor is not going to work on an Exynos 5 dual-core processor. Two different architectures completely. Yeah. Because, you know... The, Create certain things differently and all of that. So, but um, you meant because, like, we're, we're seeing in terms of very mobile, very universal type platforms, we have Android L and then the Athena project. Well, uh, we basically talked about the Athena project earlier. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Android L personally because. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Android L is the newest uh, version of Android that Google's going to be pushing out. Their vi it's going to be 5.0. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Android 4.4 KitKat brought a lot of, not many new features to Android. There, were, there is a newer interface and it's much more fluid and fast and some uh, small design oh, changes yeah. here and there. But most of the, the biggest selling point and the biggest thing for Android 4.4 is all of the under-the-hood upgrades and performance improvements and enhancements that Google put, for, uh, for among many other things. And one of the choices that you had is that originally, all the way up until this point, Android has used what is called the Dalvik Virtual Machine, which is a custom Google-made thing which runs all of your Java Android applications. But in Android 4.4, you had the option to switch between a new uh, virtual machine that Android's been or, or Google's been working on, or Dalvik, and the new one is called Android Runtime. The Android Runtime uh, 
virtual machine. It's ART is what it's called, or Dalvik. And Dalvik's still a little slower. And uh, <laughs> along with Android L is going to be strictly uh, ART instead of Dalvik. So and the reason for that change is just like with the updates that they've pushed out in 4.4 it's all performance based so that way the slower lower power devices can run just almost as fast as a $600 $700 smartphone and uh, Android is also pushing out an entirely new user interface design which, if, if those of you that are familiar with the PlayStation controller or ever played a PlayStation as a kid, instead of the um, back button, you're going to have a triangle facing the same direction that the arrow faced on the uh, screen, a circle in the middle for your home screen, and then a square for all your recent apps for that same button. And if you hit that recent apps button, it's going to bring up all your apps instead of them being in tiles, they're going to be in like a layered tile interface, similar to what Ubuntu has done with their Ubuntu Touch operating system. It layers them in order, and you can scroll down through them like it's kind of like a uh, uh, a wheel that would power like a mill or something. It looks like that. It'll bring things closer to the foreground and then push them back in the background as you scroll through. I'm, I'm looking at some... Images through Google Images right now looks looks pretty interesting to a point so far. Like on some of the screenshots that have popped up, uh, sixty four bit is also what it appears to be aiming for, according to a little slide. You know, and all that. So they're they're looking to get more done. In reality, the only true benefit to having a 64-bit operating system over a 32-bit operating system is you're going to have the capability of having more RAM. And if you don't know, 32-bit will only allow for close to 4 gigabytes of RAM based on number limitations. Because the the largest 32-bit number is roughly uh, like... Four trillion something. <laughs> I don't know it exactly. I just know I had to remember it for some programming purposes. But it, it roughly equi- uh, equivalent. It's equivalent to four gigabytes. Right. So, so art's supposed to be a lot faster. Much faster. There's uh, on this page that I've been looking for most of my information. Uh, it's on Tech Radar. They did an article on it. One of the images is a bunch of benchmarks that have been done using Dalvik and the new runtime art. And for every single one of them, the art virtual machine runs them between 1.25 times faster, almost to five times faster on some senses. And these are a bunch of benchmarks like uh, AND2.2, which is a co- uh, common one that a lot of uh, websites use to benchmark phones and compare them against each other. Uh, Chessbench, which is used to uh, measure processing power, and a bunch of uh, Cymark, which does a bunch of 
scientific calcula calculations, which uh, uses the processor pretty heavy, among a whole lot of other things. And some of these can be run in a browser on like the your Chromebook to benchmark your Chromebook and stuff like that. But uh, it's supposed to be a lot faster, a lot smoother. It'll be something definitely to look forward to. So, and, and and L has that, of course, the UE change too. And looks like part of Project Athena is bringing that that sort of look to Chrome OS too. That is entirely what Google's Project Athena is: is bringing that interface towards Google Chrome OS, which points to another convergence between. Chrome OS and uh, Android, because they're already they're already working on getting some apps, Android apps, working and everything else. But now we have all kinds of you know cool stuff to look forward to. And yeah, this is way over half an hour, but it's it's been a while. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, so it's probably good so we get some. Good discussions and good information out there. Um, so, are you going to invest in a Chromebook anytime soon? Probably not soon. Um, it would be definitely something that I would enjoy having, uh, but at the at the moment, I'm focusing on uh, tools that I could use to further my uh, development for apps and other things. And oh. a Chromebook would not be the most viable option for that. So I'm going to stick with this laptop that I have with 14.04 on it. I can develop a lot of things in Linux. So it's going to be a much more viable option than using a Chromebook. However, in the future, if I want something to just browse the Internet, something to take with me back and forth to work, traveling, I think a Chromebook would be a much better option than having something big and bulky. Oh, absolutely. And, and I was able to find some screenshots, or at least one screenshot of uh, of the example of the of what this would look like, uh, Athena would look like. At least one of them. Because all I see is that one screenshot where it shows like the Google Google search engine. Yeah, it's a bunch of web pages tiled just like it would be in uh, Android L. Yeah. So they're so they're trying to bring a consistent look across that. So, so Chrome OS would be more of a desktop-oriented thing of sorts where you have the full keyboard and everything else. And, and, and everything else, but... Because now there's, like, stationary Chrome boxes and Chrome bases that are out there now. After Samsung's mysteriously disappeared from their website well you can still see it it's you have to go to eBay to buy it anymore 
but new ones are up and being sold now. So, I don't know. What do you think the future of Google's going to be at this point? It's, it's really hard to say, but they've got a strong foothold in the market. And uh, I was reading an article a while back on uh, Microsoft is ditching using anything other than their own operating system now, which for them it's a better approach than using making phones and licensing phones, which they work through Nokia to do. Instead of licensing, the, licensing and selling them with Android, they will sell them only with Windows 8 phone operating system now. And 